everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 podcast with your hosts, Mike and April. We really appreciate all the feedback that we've been getting, and we see all of you listening. We've had some great stats on our podcast, but we would definitely appreciate it if we could get some of you on iTunes to go ahead and give us a review and a rating. That will definitely help us to move further up on the iTunes chart. So it only takes a couple of minutes. It's pretty quick to either like it, give us as many stars as you would like, or even take a couple of moments to just shoot us a couple of sentences in the review and hit submit, and that would be greatly appreciated. So we have a special guest today. We have Dr. Elisa Medus, who is a physician and a mother of five and has practiced internal medicine in Houston, Texas for over 30 years. And her son, Eric, committed suicide when he was 20 years old. And since then, she had been journaling her grief on her blog, Channeling Eric, and she knew that only in helping others that she could heal herself. Now, Dr. Meduse has a very strong science background, so she formally viewed spiritual matters such as the soul's survival of death with skepticism, but once her son began to communicate with family, friends, and blog members on the website, her entire paradigm shifted. Yeah, and after devouring various books on the quantum physics explaining the science behind spirituality, Dr. Medus is no longer a skeptic. Now she channels Eric through a medium, asking him questions about death, the afterlife, and so much more. As her blog members join her in this journey towards spiritual understanding, Eric continues to offer not only his insight as an insider on the other side, but also adds some comic relief with his mischievous pranks. She shares her journey in her book, My Son and the Afterlife, Conversations from the Other Side. Eric has authored his own book, My Life After Death, A Memoir from Heaven. And in addition, Dr. Meduse is also the author of three award-winning parenting books, Raising Children Who Think for Themselves, Hearing is Believing, How Words Can Make or Break Our Kids, and Raising Everyday Heroes. So we would like to welcome her to our show today. Well, we would like to welcome Dr. Elisa Medus on our show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, April. And, and you have, Mike. yeah, you have such a you know a great story. Um, Mike, I think a couple of years back was the one that came across uh, the information about channeling Eric. Wasn't that right, Mike? Yeah, I was watching a video from Tom Campbell, and he made a reference to your webpage. And um, I can't remember exact details of how it came up, but I was like, oh, I better check this out. So I, I went over and I, I read your blog, um, which is basically you talking to your son who had passed away a few That's years right. before. That's right. I found it very, very interesting. And do you actually, do you want to catch our audience up and kind of explain the, the backstory behind everything? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My son, uh, Eric, suffered from bipolar disease, learning differences, Tourette's. He had really had a tough time from the age of 14 until his death at the age of 20. And um, eventually he did take his own life. And, uh, of course, that's just the worst thing that can happen to a human being, to lose a child. I'm here to tell you that is just, it is just devastating. And... Um, you know, for me in particular, it was difficult because I was raised by atheists, so I didn't really have this this belief system about life after death. And, you know, I'm, I'm a physician, so that's even worse because, 
You know, when you're a physician, you're trained in science, and science teaches everybody that if um, if it exists, it has to be perceived by the senses or measured by an instrument. So I really had a tough time, and that's why I started the blog. <clears throat> I wanted to air my grief, but it's all about broaching that question. Where is Eric? Does Eric still exist at all? And uh, I think my real journey started, I'll just tell you this quick story, uh, three days after Eric's death, I get this call from my father, my very atheist father, my militantly atheist father, and uh, he sounded really, really shaken. So I said, what's going on? Oh, Elisa, you know, I was sitting in my chair, I was reading the newspaper, and all of a sudden I look up and there's Eric standing in front of me. And then Eric turns into his little boy self and crawls up to his, in my lap. I don't know what to believe. I, I'm, I'm so startled. So if he was going to create, you know, have this story and he would never create it, then maybe there's something to life after death. And then began, began my, uh, my search. And um, when you were kind of like going through your search, so that was an experience that your dad had. And obviously it was probably shocking because that maybe wouldn't have been anything that your dad would have you know, believed or, you know, hearing that story coming from him, there had to be some validity behind it. But had anything happened to you at that point? Or what was it that kind of made you begin to believe that maybe there was something after Eric's death? Well, nothing really happened uh, before that. But after that, we started getting, my family and I started getting some strange uh, phenomena happening around the house. Like we would be in the bathroom. Um, my One of my daughters and I were in the bathroom and all of a sudden we see the faucet turn all the way on. I mean, not just a little dribble, but all the way on. And uh, we'd, I'd be sitting in a chair and all of a sudden I'd see a airsoft BB appear at the ceiling and then drop to the floor. And he would make unplugged appliances um, work. For example, I guess uh, maybe the week after Eric died, our downdraft vent, the little vent that, gets, that raises up out of the counter to suck up all the smoke from my burnt cooking, <laughs> kept going uh, you know, up and then down every time my husband entered the garage into the kitchen, up and down. Did it for three days in a row. Now, that might sound like, oh, well, it's just some sort of electrical glitch, just call the repairman. Uh, but no, there was no power to the kitchen at all because it was gutted except for some of the appliances. We were remodeling at the time, so there was no power. And we did call the repairman, and he was... <laughs> It was that was a funny exchange. I, he did not know what to make of it, <laughs> and uh, and so and this has been going on um, every day. Well, not every day, but very frequently since we've gotten a phone call from him. I've physically seen him two or three times, uh, and you know this. It was I was still skeptical though. I was such a hardcore skeptic that I just didn't really want to believe that this was all true. You know, I, I was kind of afraid to believe it because what if I did and then found out it was all a bunch of baloney, you know, right. that'd be like losing Eric again, but forever. So despite all these things that happened, it took a long time for me to finally believe 100% categorically that Eric is alive, but in another dimension. Now, what prompted you to contact a medium or how did the medium get involved 
Yeah. Oh, that's a good, good question. Because if you had asked me before Eric's death uh, to, to picture a medium in my mind, it would, I would have it would have conjured up this image of a of a gypsy hunched over a crystal ball okay i'll i'll be honest with you but you know you know, after the experience with my father the first thing i did was read research i read so many books on quantum physics quantum uh, physics uh, you know as far as consciousness survival is concerned i read all sorts of papers about alternate dimensions i read gosh hundreds of books are close uh, on near-death experiences and different accounts of near-death experiences. And uh, eventually, I kind of ran out of material to read. And anything else I was going to read, I wouldn't be able to understand because it was highly technical. But um, So, you know, I'd heard um, that some parents will resort to con- uh, using a medium to connect, to try to connect with their child. And, you know, I thought, well, what have I got to lose? I'll go ahead and give it a try. So I did. And that was Jamie, right, that you contacted? Well, first it was uh, Kim O'Neill, and she's very good. But she had, uh, you know, medical problems. So uh, one of the blog members uh, recommended Jamie Butler, so I tried her. And that, that, uh, from the very first session, she had me convinced. And I'm not easy to convince. I mean, I... I called her, and she did not know anything but my name at all. I mean, she didn't even know I had a son, much less one that killed himself. And uh, the first thing she said is, your son is here, and he said he killed himself. And, um, and then she went on to describe things that would not have been in the paper, like the, uh, the fact that he was sitting at his desk at the time, the exact kind of gun he used, the exact description of the clothes he was wearing, and she even conveyed his his personality. And from reading the blog, you probably know that Eric has a particular personality, quite a loud one. And uh, so he's very, oh gosh, candid, mischievous, rascally, and peppers his talk with some sailor talk. She was able to convey that too, so that really had me convinced. It was hard for her to drop F-moms, I'll have to tell you, because she's this fresh-faced, innocent young girl uh, that uh, you know that she's not used to, uh, to saying these words. So it was really hard for her to, to do that, and I had to encourage her. That's okay. This just means it's my son. And what were some of those first, um, you know, conversations having that you had with him through these mediums? I mean, and then fast forward, taking you all the way to the point where he's written his own book in the afterlife. Well, the first sessions were really personal ones, like why, why did you kill yourself, and was there anything we did wrong? Was there anything we could have done uh, to save your life? So. There was a lot of that. And eventually, of course, a mother wants to know, did it hurt? Did your death hurt? And so I started asking him a lot about death, his death, but also death in general. And, um, and then I started asking about this place he now called home. What's it like there? What do you have there? What's your life as a spirit like? What are, you, are your emotions different? Are your senses different? And through all that, I gathered enough material to write My Son and the Afterlife, Conversations from the Other Side. And that sort of highlighted my journey from skeptic to, uh, to believer. Uh, but then Eric wanted to write his own memoir. He wanted to write his journey from moments before his death 
to uh, until the present. And so we channeled that from Jamie Butler. And I'll tell you, I, I don't know if you've read it, but, and I'm not bragging because I didn't write it. I just transcribed it. I'm just his secretary. But it is such a gripping account of his life, his journey from moments before his death till till now. And, you know, there's so much detail about his death. And that was very hard to describe, I'll have to say. Very difficult. And about uh, uh, heaven and about his life as a spirit. And so, to tell you the truth, knowing all this, I just don't have that deep grief I used to have. You know, it's, it's like I'm not as broken as before because the mystery is all but gone now. Yeah, and I bet you probably have a lot of other parents that reach out to you, um, you know, through your website who have gone through maybe similar circumstances of losing a child by suicide or maybe even just those parents who are grieving and seeing the way that you've been able to reconnect with your son. Do you get a lot of people that reach out to you in regards oh, to sure. that? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And uh, it's, uh, this book has really helped them, too, because now they know all about what's going on with their child or their loved one, if it's not a parent. And um, it's really helped them that there's so much hard evidence in the blog, too. For example, uh, one post in the blog, um, well, let me tell you the backstory. Uh, I guess, well, it was shortly after Eric died. I was walking to his bedroom, and why I wanted to go into that bedroom is beyond me. But my daughter was, uh, one of my daughters was following me, and she is very connected to Eric. So she felt his presence very strongly and uh, decided to pick up a digital camera, which was on the uh, table in the game room, picked it up, and started snapping pictures uh, of me walking toward and just rounding the corner of, of his bedroom. And, uh, and we, um, Developed, we looked at the pictures uh, later, and one of them was this very bright orb uh, that had a long tail, like a comet's tail. So it, it appeared as if it was something that was moving. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. It was obviously not a dust particle or something on the lens. So I had it analyzed, and the photography expert took the gamma down and revealed that it was his own light source. And it was, in fact, casting uh, light on nearby structures. So things like this uh, and some of the recordings of Eric's voice on radio shows, etc., it's really, really helped parents gr- or anybody who's grieving the loss of a loved one uh, feel secure that, yeah, there is life after death. Yeah. And has through, through your conversations with Eric, you know, I'm curious to know um, in regards to suicide and taking one's own life, is that something that's more pre-planned in like a soul contract or is it more free will and you kind of are here and have that choice to either continue with the struggle or the pain or to, you know, exit this lifetime? Did you, have you talked to him at all about that concept? Oh yeah, that's a great question, April. And it's a very important one. It's unusual to to uh, have a contract to exit early like that. In Eric's case, it was. He uh, designed his spiritual uh, plan to incarnate with all these problems and uh, therefore to suffer a lot and, uh, and through that suffering develop more compassion and listening skills and other tools that would make him a better spirit guide, which is what he's doing now. Most people, that's not the case. And when they take their life, they realize that. And they realize that their problems didn't go away. 
they took them all with them. Uh, and um, in fact, they, they create more problems for themselves because they leave this this world of grief in their wake and they're, they're aware of every breaking heart, you know, every wail, they're aware of it all. Plus, they are suddenly aware of missed opportunities, like suppose they were supposed to uh, give birth to a son that was going to find a cure for, um, uh, for, for AIDS. Now, knowing that that child is not going to be born, um, that uh, you would know that many people are going to suffer and die. So it's, it's not the best option. Yeah, and you also kind of uh, answered another question that I had in there. Just because I work, I'm a mental health counselor, and I do work with a lot of people that are struggling with a diagnosis. And, you know, I, I also see many people who are grieving the death um, of a loved one that was taken say, by bipolar depression. And I was just curious to know if the struggle with that mental illness does continue. You know, it's like, like you said, that people will take their issues and their problems with them. And is, is Eric kind of working some of that stuff out in? Oh, no, 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 no. You, that's, that's a brain thing. And, uh, you know, you shed your body, then you don't have any of the mental or, or, or physical issues that would have plagued you in life. So no, that's, that's gone. It's just so much harder to finish up the contracts you've created for yourself from the side he's on than from earth. Gotcha. Now, can you kind of describe, I, I know you kind of go into a lot more detail on the blog, but just you kind of, because we kind of set it up pretty well, but can you kind of describe what uh, his day-to-day life is now kind of like? Oh, sure. Well, it's really hard for him to, it was very hard for him to describe his typical day because there is no time there. In fact, there really is no time. And Einstein um, agreed with that too, that time is just a, a linear time anyway, is just a human construct that we need to, you know, have cause and effect and to, you know, get up, eat breakfast, go to work, et cetera. We have to have some sort of timeline. But what he does, if he had to say it in, in terms of earthly time, is he always is with us at home with his family uh, and hangs around us until we get our day going, until people are in school or until I start work and so on. And it's interesting. I feel his presence so strongly and uh when I sit down with my laptop, more often than not, I will feel really intense, intense, almost painful goosebumps on my uh, leg or my arm. So I know he's sitting beside me. And then once everybody's doing their thing, he goes to all the blog members on our side of the world and uh, pranks them, nudges them. And there are so many stories of how, how he saved lives, both figuratively and literally. And so he does his thing as a spirit guide, which is to again, nudge or influence people to go in the right direction. And then uh, come nightfall, he cut, he hangs with us, has dinner with us, uh, you know, waits till everybody goes to bed. And then he uh, goes to the other time zones and does the same thing with blog members. He just loves his blog members so much. And uh, after that, he takes some time for himself, some solitude. It's his, He calls it his newspaper and coffee time where he'll learn something, like learn about a new dimension or learn a, a better way of handling a certain situation uh, as a guide. Um, or he'll do something fun, like manifest something, like 
his thoughts can create anything instantly. Ours can too, but not instantaneously. But he'll he'll manifest a a, a fast motorcycle and uh, and a track and go racing. And then the day starts all over again. They don't sleep. They can if they want to, but it's not required. Okay. And what like what kind of pranks does he pull on the blog members? Oh gosh. Oh, he will. Um, well. The first one I remember is from this guy, Damien, in um, Ireland. I don't know if you read this one, but he, uh, Damien recognized uh, Eric from the pictures on the blog, and he apparently went to Damien. So Damien emailed me and said, your son just was here, you know, and right in front of me. And apparently Eric said, hey, dude, I bet I could tell you how far away your girlfriend is from you. And... Um, Damien had never seen a spirit before, so it kind of shocked him. And he said, um, okay. So Eric gave him X number of, I don't know, it was over, it was a couple of, several thousand kilometers because she was in Canada at the time. But, um, and he was, he was right within, I don't know, maybe exactly right, but close to it. And apparently Eric got in trouble with, with uh, some of the other spirits because he wasn't supposed to be messing around like that. But he will also, um, you can, a person will be, he uses the computer a lot. They'll be at their computer and all of a sudden a picture of Eric will come on the screen and they don't even have a picture of Eric in the computer. Or the blog's, uh, and the blog is channeling Eric with a K, by the way, channeling Eric with a K. The blog uh, homepage will all of a sudden appear and they've never been to, to it. And I remember uh, um, one lady, she lost her child just like me and she had been going to therapy for quite a Number of months, and it wasn't working in her case anyway. Uh, the therapy is very valuable. But uh, after her last therapy session, she decided she was going to take her life. So she came home, got everything ready. But right before she did, she was compelled to go to her computer and type in, My son is dead. Up comes the blog's homepage. And so she reads it and makes the decision that life is, is worthwhile, and she's still with us today. That was at the beginning of the blog. It's just a remarkable story. But he will turn on um, their iPhones to um, to uh, to the, make the YouTubes, our Channeling Eric YouTubes appear on them. He uh, will hide things in plain sight, like uh, earphones right on the kitchen countertop, and they're looking everywhere for them. They're not there, and then they come right back, and they're there. Uh, he'll create horrible smells, you know, pot, bong water, uh, cigars, <laughs> stinky socks, uh, just awful. Um, and uh, gosh, there's just so many. And some of them are just, he'll play songs on the radio that have certain meaning. Uh, he will um, show himself, um, he'll, he'll project an image of himself on, an, on a stranger. Like uh, one lady was in her car she looked beside her, and there was Eric driving a truck. At the, they were stopped at the stoplight, and he was grinning. But it really wasn't Eric. You know, Eric projected his image on top. And she had been having a hard day any, anyway that day, so it really apparently helped her, gave her some faith. And, uh, you know, the, the encounters are so popular with the, the blog members. They love it, and they get jealous of each other when, one gets, when somebody gets one and they haven't gotten one but it's it's so common that um that i had to put an share your story button on um um 
on the front page, on the home page of the blog, so that people could share their their Eric pranks. And he, he could do so many people in such a short period of time because he can split himself into a well infinite number of Eric's. So he he gets around his little mischief gets around all over the place. <laughs> he, he he likes to uh, have things fly off of shelves too. Uh, with Robert, one of my friends, he will go down the, uh, the aisle in the grocery store and Robert's a health food nut. So he doesn't eat trashy uh, cereals like Eric used to like. But uh, all of a sudden this thing of Twizzlers would fly, you know, like three feet away and, and land into his uh, grocery basket. Uh, a lot of the people connected to uh, channeling Eric through the first book, My Son and the Afterlife, because uh, they would be at the bookstore and then the book would just fly off the shelf and land in front of their feet. There have been several, several people who have told me this story. But he also pranks on radio shows and podcasts. So we'll have to be aware of that. You may, when you play it back, hear Eric talking. I know that when I was on Coast to Coast last weekend, uh, Dave Schrader, the host, um, was kind of freaked out because during the break, he was trying to figure out more questions to ask. And all of a sudden, he hears behind him, <laughs> like that, and a sigh. And all his hair just stood up on end. He looked behind him and there was nobody there. But he, we, we had just been talking about Eric and his pranks. And, you know, he is this open-minded skeptic, you know. So there's, you know, let me have that. Give me some validation, that kind of thing. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, well, we would love it if he would. We're open to it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know if you've heard uh, on the on one of the YouTube videos of a radio show, um, you hear uh, the host called me after uh, after the live, um, you know, a couple of days after. And uh, she said that she heard a voice that was not present live. And we would have noticed it because it was really loud. And it was Eric saying, Minions, really loudly. And this gives testament to how accurate Jamie is, because the first thing that came out of her mouth was, he's calling them minions. Hmm, interesting. Now, do you think that this is like some of his work and what he's doing on the other side? Because I would imagine every person that experiences one of his pranks or has something that happens in their home that really is unexplainable and they're able to connect it, you know, to the books or to Eric's story or to the blog after they read it or going to the website is, is part of his, um, job now to maybe bring more insight into what's happening in the afterlife or making people more believers? You know, I don't know. I, I think probably yes, that uh, now we're coming to the point where, Science is starting to bridge the gap to spirituality, and so much is coming out about what souls are truly made of and how they're connected to the body and all about these parallel dimensions and stuff. And I think Eric making himself known um, so loudly is maybe his way of showing people, yeah, you know, consciousness survives death. We are still here. We just don't happen to have a body. I think the public is starting to get ready for it because, look, we've got, what, 73 million baby boomers grappling with their own mortality now? They want the answer to this this very important question. They've got parents that are getting old and dying or have died. So the time is right for us to to explore and for us to discover the presence of an afterlife. 
Yeah, I would agree. You know, some of my clients that have lost a family member to suicide, usually when they're they're talking, some of their questions are, I just want to know, one, that they're okay. Two, they wonder if they're stuck. You know, are they considered to be a lost soul because they took their life, um, you know, too early? And I know that you said that Eric kind of had this contract and this plan, but um, is there, do you have any insight about that? of people that do commit suicide, do they become stuck at a certain dimension or is there work for them to do where they can like graduate and move on or, um, what are your thoughts about that? You know, it's, it's really weird. And over where Eric is, they see death as a death. It's just like a birth. You come in C-section breach, you know, sideways, like a pretzel, whatever, but it's still a birth. And the same thing with, uh, with death. So they don't see, um, suicide is a shameful thing. Now, a lot of times the person who takes their life has to forgive themselves. So, uh, and Eric had to go through therapy too. They have people who are therapists um, that will help you um, learn to forgive yourself and learn how to handle the grief you left you left behind. But nobody gets stuck. Nobody gets stuck. Okay. And how often are you communicating with him? I mean, through this, he's been gone now for six years. It's been almost six, five and a half six, years. Five and oh, a half yes, years. Almost six years. Almost six years. Yeah. Do you still communicate with him regularly um, through the medium or are you learning ways to be able to do that without having a third party? No, I, I talk to a medium twice a month only. And the rest of the time I talk to him myself. I don't put any material None of the material for books or the blog come from my own channeling because I'm just not gifted enough. But um, I have learned ways to communicate him. One is a very simple one that everybody can do called the hand game. Uh, What you do, and and this is only good for yes or no question, but that very important question, are you okay, is a question that can be answered. You put your uh, palms up in front of you, apart enough, you know, shoulder width apart at least, because you don't want the energetic field uh, of one palm to affect the energetic field of the other. And then you designate one of the palms as a yes and the other as a no. Then you ask your yes or no question. Are you okay? After that, you wait. You, you know, it takes a while for some spirits to do this. Some are better at others than doing this. But you wait to discern a, a different sensation. It could be numbness or a sensation that somebody's blowing on your palm or burning or tingling, temperature change, etc. And if you don't get anything after a couple of minutes, it's okay to say, hey, make it stronger, make it stronger until you're satisfied you have an answer. And it, it works quite well, really. And uh, But what I usually do, I usually have to be in a Zen moment, like folding clothes or, you know, in the garden or washing dishes or in a bathtub. But I just start a conversation with him. And then I hear Eric answer me. In my case, I hear his voice just uh, behind my right ear. And, um, you know, sometimes the, what he says will be partly in my voice and then switch to his voice. That's okay. It's, uh, you, you have to have faith that, yeah, that's, that's your loved one. And the way I know it's not my, my own thoughts answering is because it seems to come out of nowhere. It's like, I didn't think of that thought. This came from elsewhere. Y- you just know. Now, one thing that Eric recommended for people to do is to, if they want to channel, is to wear earphones and listen to uh, something called binaural beats. And uh, from the, uh, 
uh, let's see, from the frequency of 14 to 16 uh, hertz. Anywhere in that range will we'll do it. And that will really open up the channel. When I first did that, all of a sudden my mother came in, my deceased sister came in. So it was, it was really incredible. On the blog, you also have uh, guests that come in. I, I know Eric brings in like past celebrities that have died. Do you want to talk about some of the people he brings in to some of the channeling sessions? Sure, sure. He's brought in um, you know, several people, notable figures. They don't have to be pop culture icons, but we have channeled uh, Michael Jackson, Lady Di, Jesus. We had Jesus come, and I want to talk about that in a little bit forward. Uh, we have uh, people like Jack the Ripper, Sonny Bono. We've had all sorts. I have a list of 400 people, but it's really not the channeling Eric motto. The only reason Ch Eric is involved at all is because um, Jamie can't bring in these notable figures on her own. She, Eric is somehow required. And this is true in, almost, in the case of almost every medium. They just can't bring in celebrities. But what we ask are non-voyeuristic things. We want to know, we want to learn from them spiritually. Uh, what was your spiritual mission? What did you accomplish? What did you learn? What message do you have for, uh, for humanity and so on? Uh, now, in the case of the Jesus video, oh, God, that was absolutely amazing. It, it, it took a lot for Jamie to, to handle because his energy was so strong. She had a hard time stopping crying and you know, choking up. But that video was the one that made me 100% uh, believer. 100% certain because a year and a half after that session, a blog member contacts me and says that, you know, while she was listening to it, she heard three voices. So my first reaction was, no, that's impossible because it was just me and Jamie. But of course, I listened to it and yep, there were three voices and one of them was definitely, definitely Eric's. I mean, I know the sound of my own kid's voice. For example, he said the word breakfast and he says it like a little kid, breakfast instead of breakfast. That was there. I could hear his pacing and he was an incessant pacer. I could hear a little verbal tick he had uh, that was like clearing his throat. But anyway, so I was intrigued, but it wasn't until I had it analyzed by a sound engineer or a sound expert that I was convinced because the sound engineer put it through its paces, analyzed it, and uh, discovered that these are not human voices. For one, they didn't leave the voice signature. So... so after that, after that, there I am, 100%, 100% never, never any doubt. And I don't know if you can hear it, but we're getting a lot of uh, interference with something. Oh, no, or, no, no, I don't hear it. I don't hear it. Okay, because it, it's kind of like this weird staticky reverb thing. Oh, maybe it's oh, Eric. It's Eric. Back up, back up from one of us. He does he that. Does that. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, he can mess with us. Maybe he's leaving his voice. Who knows? But Eric, back up a little bit if you can, Ben. Let's see if it goes away. Because it, it's very hard to hear you the last really? 30 seconds there. Oh, it's kind of better. Okay. <laughs> it sounds really bad. Oh, yeah, no. We, we might have to call you back. This happened to us in one other uh, podcast interview when we had uh, Wendy Kennedy. She was a channeler. And uh -huh. um, it was... 
before. Oh, oh now it's clear again. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Um, and the same thing happened. I mean, we had to, we kind of had to stop the interview and it sounded like there was like another voice coming in over hers, just like what just happened to you. So oh. maybe that was Eric, but it also sounds like maybe we are not going to have to call you back because maybe okay, he, maybe he listened to mom and he backed up. So thanks, <laughs> thanks Sometimes for showing he up, Eric. <laughs> he yeah, knows well, I'm going to come over there and put him over my knee if, <laughs> if he does too many little things like that. Well, and again, just interesting how you were just saying that, like, you know, you know, the, you know, the sound of your son's voice and then all of that started to change. So we'll keep that in the show, but no okay. editing there. So I'm sorry, we didn't mean to interrupt you, but <laughs> we just, oh, I, I came to a, I think I was at a stopping place anyway. Okay. Um, so I remember one of the questions that I had, how, how's the rest of your family kind of dealing with this, um, are they also on board with kind of believing that this is what's happening with Eric? Because, you know, you're a mother of five, so you have four four of his siblings. How do, How is everyone else doing with this and taking it? Is, is, are any of your other children kind of a skeptic about what's going on or don't really believe that this could be happening? Or is everyone has everyone found comfort and using their own means to communicate with him? Yeah, fortunately, everybody's found comfort. And I don't know if any of them communicate with, with him as, like I do, but but um, a lot of them have had ex- Eric experiences. For example, Annika, my youngest, was walking, uh, I was waiting in the car in the garage, and she was walking in front to, to get in on the side, and she saw Eric sitting in the passenger seat, things like that. And so they've gotten a lot of comfort just following along voyeuristically in my journey from uh, from skepticism to belief. And I'm so thankful for that. Now, was it hard? Has it been hard? Yes. You know, it's like an atom bomb went off in our family. I mean, there's, you know, it's easy to forget that this came about on the heels of a horrible, horrible tragedy. And my other son uh, would come home from school, watch Netflix all uh, afternoon and not come out of his room. You know, I mean, it, it was... He, it took him a lot, and Eric is still working with him to bring him out of his shell, out of his grief. So, and, and you know, Christina, my eldest, is still angry with him. So, there's that. They believe he exists, but there's still, there was a lot of damage. There was a lot of pain created in our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just wanted to ask about um, more stuff from the blog. Uh does Eric give any like predictions on the future or talk about past events a lot? No, well, everybody wants to know about if anything horrible is going to happen and he doesn't like the negative questions, so he usually says, "Don't worry, everybody's exactly where they need to be." But uh you know, he's talked about the future human uh how we will not need to eat anymore, that we'll subsist on energy, how we'll be able to transcend our bodies at will in and out of our bodies, and we eventually won't need bodies. Uh, I think he said that our DNA would be made of, like, silica or something. I, I don't remember. You know, I, I'm so busy transcribing and trying to make these, these chicken drumstick fingers type the right words on the computer that sometimes I, I really don't pay attention to, to what's being said. But, um, but uh, he says that things will get better, that we're in a state of chaos for a reason, 
uh, and that there will always be war. He says there, there will always be war. He says that's the beauty of the human experience of Earth. That's why we come here is because we can have this contrast, this duality that, you know, is fodder for beautiful lessons and experiences. Now, how has... Um I know, Mike, you probably have a couple of other questions about the blog that we could get back to, too. But I'm just curious, how has this changed your life, in a sense? I mean, are you still practicing medicine, or have you kind of dedicated your life more to doing the transcribing and writing these books for him? Well, I tried to continue uh, practicing medicine, but believe it or not, the first patient I had when I went back to work was a head injury. And I just, I went to the nearest trash can, threw up gave the chart to another doctor and left and never came back. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I can't do it. And now I realize that by helping Eric, I can save a lot more lives. And I loved medicine. I loved it. But I, I feel like Eric is saving more lives than I ever could. And if I stop doing it, then those would be lives that would be lost. Mm. So it's almost like your, almost feels like your mission or your service in life also changed as a result. Yes, and it has changed my life in that I, I understand the human experience more. I mean, my awareness is just so much broader now as I've learned about spirituality and about the things that Eric teaches me. Um, I understand why I'm here. I understand why we incarnate. I, you know, I also have learned that we can continue to have relationships with those we have quote-unquote lost. Now, the relationship is different. In many ways, my relationship with Eric is much richer than it was because before it was about how can I make you happy? How can I fix you? You know, it was focused on, on him. And, uh, and now it's, it's different. Um, but still, I don't get the physical. You know, I miss the hugs. He was such a great hugger and kisser. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, I miss fussing at him to come down for, to do his homework or his chores. I miss calling him to, to come down for dinner. I, I miss all those little things that I'll never have again. But, um, but at least I know that a relationship can continue uh, eternally. Now, has he changed at all since he passed? I mean, uh, from the obvious, but I mean, a lot of times you hear where people have made contact again after they've passed on, that they've kind of lost their... Uh, their Earth personality. Oh no, he's still Eric. Now he doesn't curse as much. He's you know not cursing as much. And I think the reason he cursed, he said, is because he wanted um, he he wanted to be approachable to people. He wanted to be casual. He didn't want to be one of those people that are cha- those entities that are channeled that start out with "Welcome, my dear one." No, it's not Eric at all. And uh, and so, uh, but, but now he's got his following and now he doesn't need to drop as many F-bombs as, as he did. So he, he doesn't do that very much. But he's very much his, his loving, mischievous, uh, in-your-face kind of guy. Now, a lot of people, when they do pass, they lose certain things like, uh, like resentment, if there was a cause of resentment in a relationship when, that they had on earth, um, any of the negative emotions they just can't hold on to that in the spirit realm. It's just like holding on to greased monkey bars. So, so that falls away. That changes. So if it was a bitter old man, like my father, he was a little bit of a, of a bitter old man right after he passed. But now he's much more loving and he's shed that, that bitterness. 
Um, well, I mean, you had mentioned something a little bit earlier, and I, I like the way that you described your relationship with Eric now. I think, you know, most people, it really is that physical of not being able to see them or actually, like, I know that you could hear his voice from time to time, but, you know, having those hugs and that, that physical touch. And I find that sometimes people don't really know what it means to have a relationship outside of the physical and how to bring comfort. It's like, you know, some people may get a few signs. They may not be as lucky to get as many signs as Eric is, you know, showing you or the way that he's, seems like he has a very playful spirit in the way that he's trying to figure that out, how to communicate to you guys. And, you know, I've had some other people in my life say, well, gosh, I just wish that, you know, the person would come to me in my dream or give me a sign or knock something over so I know that they're there. And those people tend to get very disappointed that they're not seeing any type of um, sign. And then they lose, they feel like they're losing touch with the relationship that they had with the person. So kind of like the way that you described how you've been able to maintain a relationship with him, even though he's not in the physical. Well, yeah, I understand. I was the last person to get any sign from Eric because um, my grief was just so deep. And I'll have to explain it in terms of energy. You know, everything is energy. I mean, everything. Einstein referred to matter as frozen light, for example. So emotions are energy even. Thoughts are energy. Information is energy. And every type of energy vibrates at its very unique spot on this long electromagnetic spectrum. I'm getting there, I promise. Now, we are in a tiny sliver, I mean a little bitty sliver in that spectrum called the visible range. That's where our world is. That's where we see things. That's where matter is, etc. Now, you can be anywhere in that range. Our, you know, we're we're made of energy. We are energy. We're sentient, self-aware energy. But uh, you know, we can be anywhere in that range. When you're grieving, you drop to the lower part of the visible range. That's why we say, I feel low, or I'm depressed, or I feel down. When you're in joy, that's why you say things like, I'm over the moon. Um, and, and you feel lighter, you know? And uh, when you're depressed or grief-stricken, you feel heavy. Well, uh, spirits, just like radio waves and other waves and other forms of energy, vibrate at a, a, at a frequency higher than the visible range, well outside and above the visible range. So in order to get to you, they have to really work hard to lower their energy. And so if you're all the way at the very bottom, really in deep grief, it's tough. Expectations is another very dense energy. If you have expectations, then they're going to have a hard time getting through that. The more the more you expect or demand something, the less likely you are to get it. So you almost have to just let go. And if you're feeling a lot of grief, try to just think of joyful moments, joyful memories. Watch your favorite stand-up comic. Try to raise the vibrational energy you have so that your loved one can reach you. Some are more communicative than others. You know, there's, you know, there are other people like Eric that do the same thing. They're spirit guides too, and they connect with humans all over the world. In fact, Eric said that being a spirit guide is really common. It's like being a, a taxi cab driver in New York City. But um, so there, there's more than just Eric doing this. Trust me. You, you talk about his job that he has now where he, you know, pranks and appears to other people all around the world. But I think I remember reading, I think it was on your blog, where he also helps people transition. Is that true? Yeah, he'll do that, especially 
uh, blog members, loved ones, or blog members themselves. He'll be there, but generally the the loved ones, their loved ones, are are there for that. He'll he's there in case there in case in case he's needed, and just to greet them, show them the ropes, and so on. So he's done that on a, a number of um, instances. I remember one uh, woman, one blog member, was uh, by her father on his uh, in in the last few moments of his uh, life in the hospital. And she had been asking Eric to please help him transition. Please help him transition. And right before the guy died, he said, hey, who's that curly-headed young man uh, standing next to my bed? <laughs> and she said, oh, that's Eric. He's going to help you. He's going to help you cross over. Remember a specific story where he told where he, I don't know if it was, uh, how did that go? It was something where he was helping an atheist transition since the atheist had, you know, gone his whole life believing that he was going to be nothing, just... Maybe it was my father. Oh, maybe, was it? I, I... It could be. My father uh, was, didn't really know Eric very well. I mean, he, he lived in the same town, but he was uh, a narcissistic, you know, sociopath. He was just a very difficult man. And uh, his first words to me after Eric died was, I'm sorry, Lisa, but Eric's going to turn to dust. Well, when he passed... Right as he was passing, and he thought he was just going to pass into blackness, Eric was there, along with my sister and my mother. My, he saw, and this is channeled from him afterwards, he said he saw um, my mother with her arms, hands stretched out, come on, Jose, come with me, and pulled on him, but he saw Eric there too. That was when he realized, wow, there is an afterlife. I am in heaven because he wouldn't have even, he thought, well, maybe I'm hallucinating seeing Denise and, and, and uh, my wife. But when he saw Eric, he knew that wasn't the case because he would not bother hallucinating about Eric, sadly. And but now they're big buddies. They do all sorts <laughs> of things together. That's good. <laughs> Making up for lost time. What's next for Eric after this? after he does this guide work or does it go on indefinitely or does he even know well, what's next? No, I mean, uh, well, it's so hard to, to, for him to describe because there is no time, but yeah, he's going to continue to do this, but he's also working with others. I think he's going to start working on what you said to bring to the conscious uh, consciousness of the masses, the existence of an afterlife, the existence of these other dimensions. And as we start to wrap up here, what would be one thing that Eric would want to leave everybody with? One message. Oh, I just get in my, I, I get in my head. Prank you later. He's gonna <laughs> prank some. He's gonna prank some people. Uh, the two things that I think are most important to that I've learned from Eric, and I'm sure he want me to stress this, is number one, you have to feel first and think second. We humans usually don't do that. We do the opposite. We think first and feel second. We produce a thought and we allow that thought to, to evoke an emotion and we have that emotion create a choice for us. Instead, we should really kind of like check in with our feelings. How am I feeling? You know, and let that feeling produce a thought and then let that thought create um, some sort of reaction or produce a, a choice. And the second most important thing to him, I guess, would be emotional honesty. You know, once you learn to check in with your feelings, then you need to learn how to be emotionally honest with yourself, which is hard, and with others, which is also hard. But um, 
you know, that's, we are here to remember how to love, he says. And we are here to remember that we are love. Great. And I do have one other question. Um, I know we're getting close here to the end, but, you know, it sounds like he's so busy, you know, in, in the other reality and doing a lot of work. Has he ever talked about reincarnating and coming back in? No, he's not going to. He's, he has no plans. I mean, he, he's living all his past and future lives right now since there's no time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he describes that in a very interesting way. He says that, uh, for example, in his case, and as in all our cases, our higher soul is like in a hub of a, of a wagon wheel. And all the spokes are our lives, past, present, future. They're all standing there. They all exist at the same time. But when the wagon wheel rolls, it leaves a linear track in the, in the mud, and that's our linear um, timeline. So that if that helps you uh, understand how timelessness dovetails into linear time. Right. Okay. We would definitely like you to let our listeners know where they can find these books and where they can uh, get a hold of the blog and the website and all of that. Sure. Well, the two books are available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, brick and mortar stores. I will say that the feedback from Eric's book it has been just incredible. People have commented that they, they couldn't put it down. Uh, they didn't go to work the next day because they didn't sleep. They laughed. They cried. They're no longer afraid of death. Uh, it's really had a powerful effect, and it's, it's only gotten five stars on every review, which I'm, I'm just so proud of him. Um, now, the blog is www.channelingeric.com, Eric spelled with a K. We've got a nice, uh, just a wonderful Facebook group, the Channeling Eric Facebook group. It's private, so it's safe, and you can discuss your grief or discuss your your uh, uh, you know spiritual matters or philosophies together. And th- this is a really close group. Some of them have actually flown across the country to meet each other. So it's it's pretty cool. And then I have my regular Facebook page, my Channeling Eric page as well. Wonderful. And um, did your family go through any other support, um, you know, through any organization for suicide survivors, you know, families who are left to deal with the emotional shock of suicide or, you know, any organizations that you would recommend to people um, that are out there going through this? I can't remember. There was one. Was it called um, uh, Red Robin? Does that sound familiar? I'm not sure. We went to a group, but I just, you know, that was, I have PTSD from actually seeing Eric after he killed himself. And so my memory around that time is is very tenuous at best. So I don't remember things like timing and and names and things like that. So, uh, but we had private, our private therapist, the therapist that Eric went to every week and she helped us through that. Plus I had EMDR, uh, which is a technique to, help with PTSD. Yeah. That was very valuable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Compassionate uh, Friends is a great organization. Um, yeah, there, okay, there are so ahead. many resources. Yeah, maybe we'll put a couple in the show notes just for people if they are looking um, for any support. Outside of that, that would be that would be helpful, I'm sure, for some people. And I just wanted okay. to point out, too, that uh, we are recording this in the middle of September, and September is actually uh, National Suicide Prevention Month. That's right. And so. Eric's birthday is the 21st. It's coming up. <laughs> oh, wow. 
Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on our You're show. We welcome. really, really enjoyed this interview and having the opportunity to talk to you. So, Actually, this thank show you. will be published on the 21st. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Happy birthday, Eric. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's a nice birthday present for him. Look at that I'm synchronicity. <laughs> so lovely of you for, for giving me a chance to share my story. Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on. That was great. Thank you, and happy birthday, Eric, right? That's our birthday yeah. present to him. We're, All right. We're, we're putting him on, online on his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at thepastseries.com or send us a tweet at thepastseries. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show.